In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today I would like to talk a little bit about God's love, which is one of the ways in which we experience God. But unfortunately, we have a lot of misunderstanding about what that is, how we experience it. So I thought I'd use two uh, stories from my, the recesses of my mind from my early education. The first was, I remember stories about Greek mythology. I was in public school, but we learned a lot about Greek mythology. All of these stories of old of Zeus and of uh, Persephone and of Demeter and all of the different gods, Mercury, and all the different stories between them. I still remember that the reason we have seasons is because Hades tricked Persephone into eating a pomegranate. You have to look it up if you don't remember that. But one thing that stood out was this character Zeus. He had his thunderbolts. And in all the stories of Zeus, you, you couldn't really tell how he was going to fall. Is he going to be happy? Is he going to be angry? Is he going to be going after this person? Is he going to be killing this person on a whim? Is he going to give this horrible punishment to someone? You never knew what Zeus was going to do. But you knew that he was vengeful. You knew that he was rash. They changed his opinions quickly about people. Of course, we could extend this out to many of the different gods that we know of. Vishnu and Shiva or Thor or Ra, the sun god. There's this a same theme with all of them, which is this changeability of God's, you could say his emotion or his, his outlook on people. And this gets distilled down into our Christian God. We see, we see that he loves those who do good and dislikes or is angered with people who do evil. On a personal level, this becomes even more changeable because I do good and do evil. So God's disposition towards me is always in flux, is always changing. God is still a lot like Zeus, except that maybe he has a moral compass. And so his decisions about me change based upon whether I follow his laws or not. This is the God that most of us have inherited. He's a God that you want to please and you definitely don't want to displease. This is the God that we face in prayer. This is the God that we face in confession. We want him to be happy with us, but we ha keep having the feeling that he's displeased. We look at our sinfulness, the immensity of it, and we say, I'm worthless. God doesn't love me. How could he love me? If God loves me when I do good, he must not love me very much. These are the thoughts that occur within us. So let me be clear. This is not our God. This is not our God. We have projected our human qualities onto God. It's like we're bringing God back to Zeus. You see, God is not changeable. There's an important word to note, immutable. It's one of these theological words. It means unchanging. God is unchanging. Now, when we think of something that's unchanging, we think of something that's cold and lifeless, maybe unfeeling. We certainly don't think of people as unchanging. 
If I said you're totally unchanging, it wouldn't be a compliment. Because in our human qualities, we always think of the different changes, the rise in emotions, the different fluctuations of our moods. And so we put this on to God. But God is unchanging. God is immutable. Another word that is correct for God is dispassionate. Now, most of us know in the spiritual life that passions are the bad things. Passions are virtues that God has given us, God-given gifts that we've distorted and twisted. So we know that passions are bad, but to be dispassionate, to be passionless, that sounds bad. Who wants to be passionless? It sounds like something where you're just sort of flatlining. You have no emotion. So if we talk about God being unchanging, we talk about God being passionless or dispassionate, automatically in our minds, we have sort of these negative ways of thinking about those things. So we prefer this idea of God who's more like Zeus. So often we really want the Zeus-like God because on the one hand, it's like the people that we know. We do nice things and we, we give someone love and they give us love. We treat someone badly, they're going to treat us badly. If they treat us badly, then we're, we have a right to treat them badly. And the other reason that we want God to be like Zeus is because it's transactional. You do this, and then I give you that. Very cut and dry, very, very clear. I do the things that God wants me to do, and then God gives me the things that he says he's going to give me. But there's a problem. And the problem is that I can't actually do it. God's commandments are impossibly hard if we actually look at them. Impossibly hard. So now this Zeus like really a tyrant because he's saying, do all these things, and these things are impossible. So how am I going to have my, my transaction to get eternal life for doing these things? Or I can live in delusion and say, oh, no, I'm pretty good. I'm good with God. I'm pretty much following his commands there, so I'm good. And that's delusion. But if we're not in delusion, then we borderline on despair because we say, how can I possibly do this? He's telling me to do these things, and I can't do them. But part of me wants to keep trying. It's like the little engine in the children's book. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can. But the problem is that it's not like the children's book. We don't get to the top of the hill. We keep on trying and trying, and most of the time we feel like we're backsliding, falling back further. So I'm stuck. I can't do what's needed, and I don't want to fess up to my failures because I'm convinced God will be angry with me or he'll love me less if I actually admit to my failures. Doesn't this sound like our own earthly parents? Being bad. Now we know our parents are not happy with us. We do something good. Now our parents are praising us, saying we do well. So we see, we take our own experience of our parents and put it onto God, or our experience of anyone else around us, and put that onto God. And thus God becomes like Zeus. Truly, this is the Christianized Zeus that most of us think of when it comes to God. So let me be clear again, God is not like your earthly parents 
or any other person on earth, whose love is changed depending on our behavior. He's not Zeus. God is immutable and dispassionate, unchanging, and not floating about with the passions. I'm happy, I'm sad, I'm angry, I love you, I don't love you. Because what does this really mean? It means that God then becomes a projection of our own humanity. So I'll go back to the recesses of my education for one other image so that we can understand God better. I still remember this. I don't know who the teacher was, but in one of my science classes, physical sciences, he turned off all the lights and he had these little globes, these orbs that were placed sort of like the solar system around. And then he had a spotlight that was the sun shining. And you could see on the earth or on any of the other planets, you could see very clearly, oh, that's what daylight, it's shining on this orb here. And then on the back side where it's dark, that's where it's nighttime. So I remember that vision very clearly. So what happens to the sun during the nighttime? What happens to the sun? Well, we say it sets. We might say, well, it's shining on the other side of the earth, right? Well, what happens to the sun at nighttime? Nothing. Nothing happens to the sun at nighttime. The sun remains exactly the same. What's changed? The earth is rotated. We all know this, right? The sun is unchanging. The sun is immutable. It keeps shining light. This is what the sun does. This is what the sun always does. And this is what the sun will do, at least according to estimations for many many millions of years. The sun keeps shining. So the sun is unchanging. And this is the analogy that we should understand for God. God is the sun and we are the earth, or we're on the face of the earth. God is unchanged whether we face him or whether we face away from him. We think of that light shining, that spotlight, either I face the light and I see the light or I turn away and I don't see the light, I see darkness instead. This is how we are to understand God. Now there's that other word, dispassionate. What does it mean? God is not angry or jealous or greedy. Now you'll say, wait a second, what about all those passages in the Old Testament that talk about a jealous God or God having wrath? I'll answer that in a little while. For now, let's think about dispassionate. It doesn't mean inactive. The sun, is it inactive? No, it's quite active. It's constantly radiating light and warmth, continuously. There's no ebb and flow to it. It is radiating light and warmth at all times, in all seasons, in all times of day or night. It is radiating light and warmth. So dispassionate does not mean inactive or cold or dead. What it means is that it is always in its nature. So the sun, what is the nature of the sun? Light and warmth. That's the nature of the sun. And that never changes. What is God's nature? Love. Goodness. Peace. Joy. 
These are God's nature. This is who God is. As St. John said in one of his epistles, God is love. What does that mean? It means that he is never not love. Never. And just like the sun, his love is constant and immense. It's not little for some and big for others. It's not little for me when I'm bad and big for me when I'm good. God's love is radiating upon us at all times. But either we're turning towards him or we're turning away from him. And so our experience of God's love can be different, very different depending on our disposition, but it is not depending on God's disposition. If we don't say that God is love, then we fall into heresy. And if God is love, this means that he is always at all times towards all things, the same love, the same love. He is not Zeus. On a side note, this is very different from Roman Catholic or Protestant theology. Concepts of salvation the concepts of salvation have God changing his disposition towards us because of Christ dying on the cross. Justice is offended until a debt is paid on the cross, and then God's no longer offended. This is what we have inherited. This is our inheritance. Whether you're born Orthodox, you became Orthodox, it doesn't matter. If you're in America, this is our inheritance is a God of changeability. And to be blunt, this is heresy. God is unchanging. But this is what we live with. This is what we live around. We live around a bunch of human beings where we keep seeing that if I treat someone nicely, they give me a good thing. If I treat them badly, they give me a bad thing. And so we keep thinking that's how God is. Know where this heresy could have come from because you just look around. You can see this is how our interactions are with everyone. It is heresy and it is wrong. St. Isaac says, For God so loved the world as to give his only begotten son unto death for it, not that he could have not redeemed us by another means, but he wished to manifest to us his boundless love and to draw us near to him through the death of his only begotten son. Indeed, if he had anything more precious than his son, he would have given it for our sakes in order that through it our race would be found nigh to him. Out of his abundant love, he was not pleased to do violence to our freedom, although it was possible for him to do so, but he left it in order to be that we would draw close to him in love, in volition of our own will. God is unendingly pouring out his love upon us, unendingly. And if we think otherwise, we need to question that. We need to question that. Because God is not, God, if God is not love, then we're not Christian. We might as well go worship Vishnu or Thor or whoever else is our human imagining of who God is. God is love. So God is revealed as immutable. And it doesn't mean that simply that God loves, but that he is love. 
So what that means is when we participate in love, when we love another person, we participate in God. And likewise, when we participate in our animosity or bitterness or anger, we are turning away from God. Every participation in love is a participation in God himself. True love, right love. The love that we throw the word around, not self-love. But true and right and God-given sacrificial love is a participation in God himself. As is true for goodness, as is true for forgiveness, as is true for kindness. All of these are ways in which we can participate in God himself. Why? Because it, this is who God is, and this is who these things exist because of God. It's like the sun is light. Can you separate that out? Separate that out. Sun and light. You can't. The sun is light. When we talk about light, it's the sun, unless we switch. The sun is light. God is love. And God's love is equal towards all. I'll say that again. God's love is equal to all. But don't just believe me. If you've ever read Mountain of Silence, which is a wonderful book, the main character is a Father Maximus. And Father Maximus is now known as Athanasios of Limassol in Cyprus. And just do a Google search, YouTube, whatever it takes. Listen to his words because they are divine words. Metropolitan Athanasios, he says this, the love of God is always there, but how we experience his love when we encounter him depends on our relationship with God. The way we understand heaven and hell is that people whose hearts are prepared for God experience God's love as pure joy. However, those whose hearts are hardened or unready for God experience the love he showers them with as fire and pain. We have two beings as good examples. One is the Theotokos, who is the extreme of holiness, and the other is the devil, who is at the other extreme of evil. This is all Metropolitan Athanasios. God loves equally the Theotokos and the devil. He does not love the Theotokos more than he loves the devil, because if God has a difference in his love for beings, then he is not a God of love. If he loves the devil less, it means his love has different levels and is subject to change. God loves all the same. The difference is that the Theotokos accepts the love of God, and this becomes paradise for her. On the other side, the devil rejects all the love of God, and it becomes for him hell. But God by himself loves all beings the same way. Is this not just a little bit different than the way that we think of God, the way that we're taught of God in this society of ours? Is a God of love. God is love. But if you'd like to hear something from someone a little bit more, here's St. Anthony, and he speaks to this even more closely. This is from the Philokalia. St. Anthony says, God is good, dispassionate, and immutable. There are those two words again. Now, someone who thinks it is reasonable and true to affirm that God does not change, may well ask, how, in that case, 
it is possible to speak of God as rejoicing over those who do good and showing mercy to those who honor him and as turning away from the wicked and being angry with sinners. So he's talking about these passages that we read in the Bible, about God rejoicing over the good that people have done and turning away from the wicked and being angry with sinners. This is what St. Anthony's talking about. To this it must be answered that God neither rejoices nor grows angry, for to rejoice and to be offended are passions. Now is he... Now he is one, nor is he won over by the gifts of those who honor him, for that would mean he's swayed by pleasure. It is not right that the divinity feel pleasure or displeasure from human conditions. He is good and only bestows blessings and never does harm, remaining always again like the sun. When is the sun giving us coldness and darkness? Never. Never can, and it never will, because it's in the Son's nature. It is in God's nature to only give blessings and to never do harm. And again, this is different from the West. In the West, it is the source of evil. God is the source of all things. He's the source of evil. This is heresy. God is only the source of good. I'll continue with St. Anthony, we men, on the other hand, if we remain good through resembling God, are united to him. But if we become evil through not resembling God, we are separate from him. By living in holiness, we cleave to God, but by becoming wicked, we make him our enemy. It is not that he grows angry with us in an arbitrary way, but it is our own sins that prevent God from shining within us and expose us to us. And if through prayer and acts of compassion we gain release from our sins, this does not mean that we have won God over and made him to change, but that through our actions and our turning to the divinity, we have cured our wickedness and so once more have an enjoyment of God's goodness. You see, we are the earth. We can turn towards the sun or away from the sun. Thus, to say that God turns away from the wicked is like saying the sun hides itself from the blind. I'll say that once more. To say that God turns away from the wicked is like saying that the sun hides itself from the blind. Just think of that. We blind ourselves. Are we saying now that the sun doesn't exist because we have blinded ourselves? Not at all. The sun continues to exist. God's love continues to be showered forth. If we go, no, 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 I don't want it. I want my own self-love. I want my things. I want my passions. I don't want it, God. We blind ourselves. God has not changed. So what does all of this mean for me? First of all, I have to reject the Christianized Zeus. God is not Zeus. God does not change. We want that. We want that. We want God to be Zeus so that we can have this transaction and so we know what we're supposed to do and we follow the good things and we try to earn our way into heaven. But God is not Zeus. God loves you as much as his own mother and as much as the devil. But he loves you as much as his own mother. 
Every single one of you, whether you do good, whether you do bad, whether you're evil, whether you're virtuous, he loves you the same as his own mother and as the devil. God's love is totally unchanging. We have to keep reminding ourselves of this. God's love is unchanging. It is not upon my own merit that I earn God's love. It is not upon my merit that I earn God's love. His love is given to me as a gift. Now, I've said this to a number of you in confession because what I'm speaking here in the homily comes directly out of confession, to be honest. If you question God's love, think about this. You exist. You exist. Now, the world is a beautiful creation, but the world, quite frankly, didn't think that it needed you. God thought that the world needed you. So the fact that you exist is testament to, God, testament to God's love of you, each individually. Because the world doesn't particularly need you, except that God decided, no, the world needs this person right here. And no, at this time, in this location, the world needs this person. So as you exist, God's love is right there in front of you you see it. Your worth is unchanging. Your worth cannot be brought up or down. You are immensely loved and of great worth to God, regardless of what the people around you think. As a last image, I wanted to describe something St. Paisios described. He had a uh, father come and visit him who had this severely disabled son. I don't know what kind of disability, let's say like cerebral palsy or something like that, severely disabled. And he saw how the father would keep wiping the son's nose because his nose was constantly running and he obviously had very little control over his body and his actions. But the father would go up and just wipe his nose again and again as he's here talking with St. Paisios. Paisios says, that's how God is with us. That's us and that's God. He just keeps on loving us. Regardless of how we are, we have nothing to offer him. Nothing to offer him. And yet he keeps pouring out his love to us again and again and again. So you cannot earn God's love. You already have it. God's love is changing. God is immutable. And his love is something that we never need to worry about. Now we can get on with the spiritual life. Now we can get on with trying to be closer to him, trying to turn ourselves towards that love. That's the hard work of the spiritual life. Not earning God's love, but getting my body to actually turn around and face God. That's hard work. May God give us strength for that. Amen.